0: good morning and Merry Christmas to all of you. It's a joy to be here on this day. I've been looking forward to this Christmas Eve and the times we have to worship together on this day. It's good to have our three services combined this morning and good to see folks here from all of those services. Let me remind you, we'll be here most of the day. and we invite, <laughs> We invite you to either hang around or... probably to go find something to eat and then come back. Um, We'll be here at 4 o'clock in the sanctuary, and then we'll be in the parish hall at 5.30 for the Connect service, and then we'll be back here at 11 p.m. Candlelight and communion, Christmas Eve, all the wonderful Christmas carols that you enjoy and the great fellowship. So bring some folks with you and come on back to at least one of those services. And you're welcome, if you would like to, to come back for all of them. We'd be glad to have you. I know you've got family things to do, and I know some of our folks are already traveling and spending time with family and friends. But I'm delighted that all of you are here and just want to thank you all for what you've done to make mine and Mickey's first six months here so enjoyable. You've welcomed us and embraced us, and we're delighted to be here and to share this first Christmas with you and hope we'll have many more. Christmas Eve's to be together and to worship the newborn king. The scripture lessons, and there are two of them, and I'm going to, as I do sometimes when we use the book of Psalms, ask you to assist me with Psalm 24, and in your hymnal, not in the Bible, there's another page number there, but in your hymnal, page 212, you'll find Psalm 24 in the King James Version, page 212. There are musical responses there. We will not use those today, but simply remain seated and read this as a responsive reading. Psalm 24 on page 212. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world today that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas. And established it among the lost. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord. And righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him. That seek Thy face of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye saints, even lift them up, ye the everlasting forces, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Our gospel lesson for today, and if you come back later in the day, you'll hear this story again but I'm of the mind that we cannot hear this story too many times. It's from Luke chapter 2, and it begins with verse 1. It is a gospel reading, so I will ask you to stand as you are able for the reading of the Holy Gospel. Luke 2, beginning with verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. As it had been told them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Be to God. You may be seated. Once again, the Advent season, the Advent journey, the season of preparation for Christmas draws to a close. Advent is always the beginning of the church year, the liturgical year, and it always starts on the fourth Sunday before Christmas. This year at Noonan First United Methodist Church, our theme for Advent has been the weight, weight room, W-A-I-T and W-E-I-G-H-T. We've talked about waiting rooms and weight lifting rooms and the things that happen in those places. And hopefully these homonyms, these words that sound alike and mean very different things, have helped us to explore the heart of this season, to remember The first coming of Jesus as, of all things, a baby. Still hard to to grasp, isn't it? All the brokenness, all the darkness, all the evil in this world, and God's going to make it right by sending a baby. It's a time to affirm his daily comings into our world, into our hearts, hopefully all of our hearts, and into his church. And it's a time to prepare for his final return in glory. No one knows the hour, but we live ready. On the first Sunday of Advent, we talked about reading in the wait, wait room. Talked about the importance of not only reading Holy Scripture, but reading other books that enlighten us and inspire us and encourage us. And from time to time, reading a book by an author that we're not familiar with or maybe an author with whom we know we're going to disagree so that we might stretch our minds and our hearts and, and learn. On the second Sunday of Advent, we talked about listening in the wait room and how difficult that is to find our quiet places, to hear the words of the psalmist, be still and know that I'm God. So hard to be still, to get our minds still and our bodies still. And on the third Sunday in Advent, we talked about resting in the wait, wait room. This afternoon, we're going to talk about wandering and pondering in the wait, wait room. But for this holy morning, this Christmas Eve morning, this fourth Sunday in Advent, we're going to talk about anticipating in the wait, wait room. And over all of that, We've tried to keep in mind every Sunday that the most important thing we can do in the waiting room in this world is to pray. To pray for one another, to pray for the church, to pray for our leaders in this land and around the world, to pray for the brokenness and the hurt and the pain that is all about us. And also to allow this time in the waiting room, To move us out into the world to love and to serve and to care for others. Especially those who have been left on the edges and those who have been broken by life in so many different ways. And to lift up the fallen. That's some heavy duty weight lifting for us to do in the weight, weight room. But God calls us to that as, as his disciples. Anticipating in the weight, weight room. Anticipate to experience or realize beforehand to foresee. On this day of all days, we have only to look into the eyes of a child to see what anticipation really looks like. And as the day goes on, it will become even more clear and those eyes that are all aglow will shine even brighter into the darkness that comes in December. When the days are short and the nights are long, one of the dangers of growing up is a diminishing sense of anticipation with all things, but especially when it comes to Christmas. But it doesn't have to be that way, does it? Our hope is that this service and all the services today will kindle in us anew that sense of anticipation what is coming? What God has in store for us as God's people? Incredible things if we'll anticipate and wait and, and pray together. For centuries, the children of Israel had been anticipating a Messiah. Messiah is the Hebrew word, Christ is the Greek word, it means the anointed one. They had been anticipating. Psalm 24, our Old Testament reading for this morning that we read together, is filled with anticipation. And if we had been looking for that, we would have seen it even more so. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Anticipating the King of glory. And gathering to to celebrate that coming. And then these words... Words of anticipation from so long ago from the prophet Micah. But you, O Bethlehem of Epratha, who are one of the little clans of Judah, for you shall come forth for me, one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel. He shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall live secure. For he shall be great to the ends of the earth and he shall be one of peace. This is the one whom they were anticipating. There is an article from U.S. Catholic Faith in Real Life and it's called Was Jesus Born? On Christmas and we can talk about the specifics of the date some other time but let me, this paragraph jumped out at me and I've just read this in the last day or so. So why did the church latch on to the 25th of December? The date doesn't become a quote thing until the Roman Emperor Aurelius who was emperor from 270 to 275 institutes the Sol Invictus or the festival of the invincible sun. He sets this feast on the winter solstice the shortest day of the year on the Roman calendar, in the anxiety of waning light, the coming victory over darkness is anticipated. And that's why this jumped out at me, the word anticipate. In the darkness, in the dreary darkness, then the longest night, we anticipate the coming of the light. Anticipation. I cannot speak the word or hear the word and I hope you'll forgive me for this without that Carly Simon tune playing in my head and if you're humming that the rest of the day you can blame me we can never know about the days to come but we think of them anyway and I wonder if I'm really with you now or just chasing after some finer day anticipation anticipation is making me late, keeping me waiting anticipating in the wait, wait room. We really are shaped by the music we grow up with in our younger days and to some extent by the movies we watch and the books we read and the television shows we watch. I remember that particular episode of I Love Lucy where little Ricky is born, especially the way that Desi Arnaz is carrying on in the father's waiting room. Nervously pacing, wringing his hands, staring a hole in the clock on the wall, hoping that soon the door will open and the nurse will step through and announce the birth of his child. Announce the birth of that child with these words, mother and baby are doing fine. My own dad told me about being in the father's waiting room when my younger brother was born. 1968. Younger brother, not little brother. He was here last Sunday. Some of you met him. And you know, he's not... Small in any way. He arrived here weighing in at 11 pounds and 6 ounces. And there was another dad in the waiting room and just bragging about his newborn son, said, this boy's going to grow up and be a running back in the NFL. And my dad was able to warn this man about the linebacker that my mother had just delivered. (laughs) But alas, my brother, who is 6'7", grew up to be as clumsy and as athletically challenged as I am. <laughs> Got a T-shirt that says, no, I don't play basketball. <laughs> fathers' waiting rooms. I believe they've gone the way of 8-track tape players and Studebakers and rotary dial phones. And for many years now, fathers have been expected in the delivery room, and the risks associated with being anywhere else at that time are just too great to take. <laughs> But when such places existed as Father's waiting rooms, you could cut the anticipation in the air with a knife. The fog of anticipation. Anticipating in the wait wait room even even when the waiting room is a stable. A place, probably a cave. There are caves all around Bethlehem. And in those caves, at any given time of the year, the average temperature is about 69 degrees. So it's not a a bad place, except there are critters in there, and they're not the most sanitary places. It's a waiting room, though. This particular stable was a waiting room. And how is it that a story about what happened in that waiting room a story that's been around for so long, never seems to grow old. We want to hear it again and again. We, we are offended if we come and don't hear it on Christmas Eve. Joseph and Mary, maybe a donkey, the story doesn't say, does it? Maybe a donkey. A long walk from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And the guest rooms were all full. Every house in that day, or most every house, had a guest room. It was on the outside of the house, and there was a cataluma, and there it was a, a trifold kind of table, tri-shaped table, and folks could eat in there and sleep in there. And it was a guest room for those stopping by. And all the guest rooms, sometimes called the inn, they were all full. And Mary's time was upon her. So surrounded By all of the sights and sounds and smells of a stable, she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger. I think about that, and I think about something I learned a few years ago about how the poor in that day saved everything, including worn-out clothing, and they would cut the clothing into bands of cloth. And they would use those bands for different things, but they would use them to swaddle or to wrap a newborn baby, to give a sense of warmth and a sense of security. And there was one other time when they would use those bands of cloth, and that was to wrap those who had died. Jesus was wrapped in bands of cloth, swaddled as a baby, and would be swaddled again later on. The anticipating had begun nine months earlier when the messenger, the angel Gabriel, had appeared to Mary and made an incredible announcement. And the anticipating, I dare say, never dissipated from that day going forward with Mary. It was a part of her life from then on throughout his life and his ministry and his death and his resurrection and his ascension into heaven until Mary herself joined him in the kingdom of heaven. She was anticipating what was next. Even in death, anticipation never ceased. As an aside, anticipation is always at its very best when it's hanging out with its first cousin, which is hope. Anticipation without hope can be a frightening and a depressing kind of thing. After the birth, the shepherds showed up. What were they anticipating? You may remember last week we mentioned that a little bit, talked about what the shepherds saw when they arrived at that manger, that feed trough, and looked into it. They saw one of their own. They saw the shepherd of Israel. They saw the one who would grow up to say, I am the good shepherd. And the one who would walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death. Later, when the infant had been moved to a house, wise ones, magi, later tradition called them kings, from the east appeared bearing gifts, gold and frankincense, And myrrh. And we assume three wise men because there were three gifts. Again, we're not told. But was the recipient of those gifts who or what they had anticipated on their long journey? What were we anticipating when we arrived here this morning? What do we anticipate when we leave? hopefully some time with family and friends, hopefully not alone, hopefully anticipating coming back to to worship once more the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. What were we anticipating when we arrived here? And what will we be anticipating for our lives and for our church and for our world when we leave this place? Once again, I need to lean on the words of my favorite poet. She said, and in these days, a decree goes out to all the world, for these are taxing times. We are called again to go to Bethlehem. No matter the state of our hearts or our world, we come obedient and faithful, for we have the message, we have dreamed the dream that God will come to dwell among us. We come expectant with joy, pregnant with anticipation. For God has done great things for us. We come searching for a sign, bearing our gifts, we come. We come called from the silent hillsides of our hearts, startled and frightened by the magnitude of the light. We huddle together toward Bethlehem. We come one by one, and yet as one. Dancing into the promise. Anticipation coupled with hope is a powerful, powerful force. May it be ours this day, all the days of our lives. Amen.